E R Bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Pod. Y'all know who the fuck it is, man. It's the host with the most Cam, aka the Dynasty Demigod, aka the Ace of Spades, Thanos, aka the nigga with five of them things, aka Mister. You fuck with me, you fucking with the best. Follow me on Twitter at Cam's Not Sober. I'm all alone today on my Dolo pod. It's been a long time since I've hopped on one of these pods solo, but y'all know I'm podcast puffing. Anytime I drop one of these solo pods, I mean, this that splat. This that splat right here. We got a lot to talk about some NFL news and notes, some Ace of Spades news and notes, and we're going to talk about the Ace of Spades. Rookie draft I've gotten a lot of questions About the draft Especially since A few trades Have popped off About You know Should I trade for picks Should I trade my picks What are these picks Actually worth Questions about auctions And things like that Questions about The auction And things like that So Hopefully I can clear up A lot of those questions But More importantly The purpose of this podcast Is to open a dialogue In the league So if I say something On a podcast And you have Additional questions or, you know, you want me to dive deeper on something that I mentioned on this podcast today, please put it in the chat. We can have a conversation about it or I can spin up another pod to talk about any more specifics or if people are struggling to grasp, you know, the concept of the auction. I want to make sure that I can drill into it as much as possible before the draft comes up because it's only two months away. Um, Also... The date that we have scheduled for the rookie draft in Ace of Spades this year is tentative as well, so that's not set in stone. Um, it's either we do the draft two weeks earlier than that, uh, which would be the Sunday following the NFL draft, or we can do the draft a week after. Um, so three possible dates. You guys let me know if this current date works. If you guys don't want to wait this long or you think this date's fine, I know the week before is Mother's Day, so we won't be drafting on that day But uh, put your thoughts in the chat About when you guys want to have the draft I'm down to do it the day after the NFL draft Obviously like I'm a, I'm a psychopath But I know everybody else um, Doesn't think the same way And maybe you guys want more time to prepare Anyway Let's get into some NFL news and notes um, There's a lot that happened over the landscape of the league Over the past um, Three days Really um, I guess we could start first with I think this was the first domino to drop uh, Russell Wilson was traded to the Broncos um, Not really going to talk about the trade um, But more so just the fantasy implications of the trade Or what I think they are um, For Russell Wilson, especially in Dynasty I'm not sure this is Good or bad for his dynasty value I think he pretty much stays the same I mean we know what Russell Wilson is As a dynasty asset I don't expect him to Go to the Denver Broncos and start throwing for You know 5,000 yards Or anything like that um, I think Russell Wilson Is you know still a back He's a, he's a back in QB1 I feel like I think he's lost some of his Athleticism I mean it happens when you Get up there into your you know uh, Early to mid 30s uh, a lot of the plays that he was able to extend um when he was you know 
25, 26, 27 year old Rusk, you don't see as much of those uh, big plays. At least you didn't last year when he was in Seattle. I know he dealt with a couple uh, nagging injuries, but I think he's lost a bit of his dynamism in terms of, you know, being that quarterback that's going to get you a lot on the ground in addition to, you know, him being hyper-efficient, you know, throwing touchdowns. That's one of the things that have made him so valuable over the course of his fantasy career. He's, he's a, he has a high TD rate um, career-wise. I think it's at like 6%, 6% or something like that. So I expect him to still be efficient. Um, I'm more concerned with the uh, – not more concerned, but I'm more excited about the weapons in Denver. Obviously, both Sutton and Judy have dealt with inconsistent QB play over the courses of their careers. They're pretty – close in value for me um in terms of seasonal value uh from a dynasty perspective i definitely prefer judy uh he was a better prospect and um though i don't think he fits very well with the type of qb play um russell wilson is going to bring to denver i just think he's overall the better player uh russell wilson is not the quarterback to kind of drop back dissect the defense and throw with timing he's more of a you know get a big play off of a broken play using his legs to extend plays down the field. So maybe that favors sudden a little more. I'm not really sure. I don't think either of these guys is super elite. Last year, they hovered around a 20% team target rate. I believe uh, Judy was at 20% and sudden was a little bit less than that, but sudden still had a higher whopper than Judy. Um, for those of y'all who don't know what whopper is, it's weighted opportunity rating. So it's a combination of target share and air yards. So even though sudden commanded less targets, he was getting a lot of deep downfield targets. So I probably expect that to stay the same with Russell Wilson joining the Broncos just because of the style of play between the two receivers. Um, but think about Judy and why I think he has a chance to get a huge boost. It's not even the fact that Russell Wilson is going to Denver. I mean, that should stabilize QB play for Judy and probably give him or give us a glimpse of, you know, what his, what his actual ceiling is as, as an NFL wide receiver because his quarterback play has been so bad since he's been in the league. But it's more so the fact that Judy's getting healthy. Um, I still remember week one before Judy got the high ankle sprain. He was absolutely slicing up the competition, commanding a, he was commanding a ton of targets. And he got a high ankle sprain. He was out for several weeks, and he came back. And if you've been playing fantasy football long enough, you know a high ankle sprain is a death knell. Once you get a high ankle sprain, once your fantasy player gets a high ankle sprain, he's probably not going to be 100% to next season. I had Saquon Barkley a few years ago when he had his high ankle sprain, and he came back early. I think he came back a month later off of a original six-week timeline. And he was he was okay, but he wasn't nearly as explosive and putting up nearly as many fantasy points as he had been throughout the first few weeks of the season. And then he finally got back into form in the fantasy playoffs. Luckily, my team was so good. I didn't really need Saquon to get me into, you know, week 15, 16. But by the time week 16 came around, he dropped like a 50-point game. It takes a long time. My point is it takes a very long time to recover from high ankle sprain. So I'm looking forward to seeing Judy going to his third year with solid QB play and healthy. Uh, who else? Alberto. There's been a lot of buzz about Alberto, the tight end, because Noah Fant was included in that trade to acquire Russell Wilson. Um, Alberto gets a bump for sure because, you know, how could he not? We're expecting him at least to slide into the starting tight end role. I've seen takes on Twitter like Alberto was a top eight dynasty tight end or some shit like that. Like, I don't – truthfully, uh, even if he is, like uh, – I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell you. Right, let me tell you <laughs> we don't care. Even if he is a top eight dynasty tight end, which I, I highly – 
highly, highly doubt he is. Uh, I just, I really don't care. If you're not the first to second target on your team as a tight end, you're probably not going to have like a difference making uh, season in terms of fantasy production. But, you know, he gets a boost. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like for fantasy purposes, especially considering he has pretty decent wide receivers playing alongside him. The running backs, it remains to be seen if Melvin Gordon returns to Denver, but there have been rumors that he will. So, Obviously, Javante would take a bit of a hit if he's not going to be that three-down workhorse that everybody you know really wants him to be. But I still think he has an opportunity to take a big step forward because with Russell Wilson being the quarterback, you expect this team to score a lot more points. You know, from an NFL perspective, score a lot more touchdowns, which in turn you know gives a lot more high-value touches to the running back. So, um, not even just in the the red zone and the green zone, but you got to think Russell Wilson is going to go to the, to Denver and sustain more drives. <laughs> so more plays will be run on the offensive side of the ball and more scoring opportunities. So, yeah, that's Russell Wilson to the Broncos. On the other side, uh, DK and Tyler Lockett obviously both took a hit. Um, not sure who the quarterback's going to be. There have been some rumors and speculation that it could be Deshaun Watson. If that happens, obviously those guys stay around, you know, the same valuation. But, um, yeah, th- those guys take a hit. No offense. I think everybody's been, like, fading him, you know, throwing him in trades and shit thinking he's worthless, but I'm not really sure how his situation changed much more than it was in Denver. I mean, he's playing alongside, you know, receivers that are going to command targets again. And he was already in a, in a, a bit of a squeeze with his tight end peer, you know, Albert O was taking some of his touches away. So I think, I think Fant stays the same. Um, but yeah, it, the, the only other thing I wanted to touch on from the DK Metcalf thing is, you know, DK Metcalf is an elite wide receiver. He's commanded over uh, 25% target share no matter who's been throwing the ball to him. So I don't really think his value should take as much of a hit as is current, currently taken in the market. I think he's being valued as a, a very back-end like wide receiver one in Dynasty. Like wide receiver 11, I think, is the last thing I saw on Keep Trade Cut. But keep that in mind. If there are any buying opportunities out there for DK Metcalf, I think his value is insulated by the fact that he's – Super talented, but that's that's just me. Uh, Carson Wentz, the Commanders. Um, I don't think we're going to see that three-down workhorse role for Antonio Gibson, at least not next year, and at least not with the quarterback being Carson Wentz. He hasn't been a quarterback that's had you know, the high propensity to target his running backs. And to be perfectly honest, Gibson hasn't been a running back to command a ton of targets, especially when J.D. McKissick has played, so I think we can expect more of the same from Gibson, um, maybe even less, depending on if they bring J.D. McKissick back, I would expect Gibson to hold that heavy two-down usage role. I don't think the three-down back Christian McCaffrey floor is coming for Antonio Gibson. Not that anybody should have ever expected that anyway. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I actually think this gives a slight boost to Terry McLaurin because I think Carson Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke. Um, I don't know how much of a boost, but I think it can stabilize McLaurin's production on a week-to-week basis. So as opposed to him giving you these big spike high ceiling weeks and these incredibly low you know, zero to, to, to whatever, five-point floor weeks, I think we can expect more consistency from Terry McLaurin, but I'd still, you know, I'd still evaluate him as a high-end wide receiver too. Um, Carson once didn't have any issues supporting Michael Pittman. There was a stretch in the season where Michael Pittman was, uh, he was actually a back-end wide receiver one, so I think this is fine for Terry McLaurin. I don't really look at him any differently. Um, 
The Aaron Rodgers extension. Uh, this is what I expected all along. I didn't expect Aaron Rodgers to leave, um, and I'm not going to get into that just for the sake of time on the podcast, but I, I, I felt all along he would end up staying. They franchise tag Devontae Adams, so at least for one more season we can expect that, you know, the best connection in football to continue for another season. In fantasy, I think that insulates Devontae Adams' season at least for another year, but he's turning 30 at the end of next season. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. Um, in terms of value in him in Dynasty, this is around the time that we look to, I mean, it's a couple of years late, but he's been performing at such a high level. I understand why people have been holding him or even acquiring more of him just due to the, you know, value above replacement over his peers. You know, you can expect him to have a top three season as long as he's healthy. Um, but he's, he's, he's creeping past that age apex. So uh, same thing with Aaron Jones. I mean, I didn't like what I saw out of the committee in Green Bay, but, I mean, A.J. Dillon's pretty good in his own right, so I expect them to have that 50-50 workload split going into next season as well. Their fantasy values are probably pretty similar to me, to be honest. Aaron Jones uh, should command more of the high-leverage passing work, but A.J. Dillon got in more at the goal line, so... I don't know which one of these dudes I want. If I'm doing a redraft league, I probably just take the cheaper dude, which is like AJ Dillon. But I expect him to be heavily involved next season. Uh, next news item is Amari Cooper to the Browns. I don't know. I don't know if we could have imagined, you know, a worse landing spot. Um, yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper. He doesn't. Let me see. I'm not even going to get into, like, injuries or anything like that because, like, he's always hurt. But let me see what he, like, last year what is. Um, give me one second. So last year he was carried by touchdown efficiency. He scored. He was 13th in total touchdowns. Um, 30th in air yards, 37th in whopper. He had a 19% target share. Like, uh, yeah, Amari Cooper's just not a. He's just not a great football player. I, I think he's fine. I don't even want to. I don't even know if he's a. I guess he's a good NFL wide receiver, but he's very like mediocre, bro. Um, he's never commanded targets uh, throughout his career. I don't think he's ever been up above 24%. I don't have the time to look at that now on the podcast, but yeah, Amari Cooper. Being mediocre and then being paired with Baker Mayfield, at least for next year, I'm super, super, super fucking out on Amari Cooper. He fucking, yeah, he's he's like, I don't I don't value him at all. Um, personally, in Dynasty, I have a team with him, but uh, I'd probably trade him for a second-round pick right now. Um, last news item, uh, Deshaun Watson. This is probably the biggest, um, could potentially be the biggest domino to fall once he's moved, but this is the biggest news item. Uh, he will not be facing criminal charges. Um, not going to get into the Deshaun Watson story. I don't have any Deshaun Watson like non-football takes, but it's looking like the front runners to land him are Seattle and Carolina. At least that's last I heard, and there's a lot going on right now, like on Twitter and social media and all that about you know potential landing spots. But I'm pretty sure like the Eagles are out. The Miami Dolphins were vocal about them being out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. So uh, he will be traded from Houston, and it's probably between those two teams that I just mentioned. What that would mean for either of those offense, I mean, obviously it's huge. Deshaun Watson is a top-five talent at the quarterback position when he plays. So everybody on the offense that he goes to, in my opinion, would get a significant, significant boost. 
But that's all I'll mention on the Deshaun Watson front. Um, oh, outside the fact that he could potentially still face a suspension. Not really sure, but we've seen situations like this where a player has faced uh, allegations and civil suits, though they never face criminal charges, still receive suspensions. The one that comes to top of mind right now is, is Zeke. He got a six-game suspension and was found innocent of whatever the fuck. I don't even remember what the what the crime was or what he was accused of, but uh, we, could, we could probably expect Deshaun Watson is going to miss some time next year at least. That's how I feel about it right now, but that could also change. Um, that's it. That's pretty much it for the NFL news and notes. Let's get into some ace of spades news and notes. This shit is a lot more exciting for me because there actually has been a lot of activity going on in the league. It's draft season, but more importantly, it's trade season. Now, y'all know me, man. I be popping off trades around this time every year, and it usually gets the league going. There really haven't been many trades going on. Outside of mine, but I'm happy to see some of the guys that have been making trades make them because they're usually pretty conservative with their teams. Um, but I know people be getting salty. And, you know, when I start making moves like this, motherfuckers be wanting to get on the action. They be getting mad, bro. I be seeing Burke. You know, I be seeing Burke in the uh, in the chat, bro. Kind of just staring, staring uh, at my trades, man, and not. Not saying nothing. I know he be watching, jealous, hating me because I'm beautiful, getting more money than him. I'm going to tell Burke like I told many before in Ace of Spades, like throughout this 10 years, going on 11, we've been in this league, bro. This for you, Burke. This for you, man. And niggas trying to take my picks away. You hear that, Burke? Don't be jealous, baby, because I'm beautiful. Because I come and take your players away. Many, 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 many men. Many men before you, Burke. That's, that's enough of that Go and get your money back Burke motherfucker I ain't dead Dude I mean You jealous Burke It's simple Anyway uh, I made a lot of moves To acquire a bunch of 22 picks I felt like they were undervalued I ended up trading uh, Saquon Barkley About a week ago I won't get into the trades Because I really want to keep this pod Pretty short I traded Saquon About a week ago To Ray um, and then I ended up letting Travis Kelsey go. I don't mind the Saquon trade because I plan on drafting running backs over the next couple of years, and Saquon is, you know, who knows if he'll ever reach the um, the ceiling that he that he reached as as a rookie, and you know, halfway through his his, his second season, it's been a couple of years removed from prime Saquon, so that one didn't hurt as much. the The Travis Kelsey trade, I may end up um, I may end up regretting that trade at least for the season because I still like to compete. But um, I'm a big believer in Kyle Pitts, and I think he has, you know, a, a Travis Kelsey-like ceiling. And hopefully the Atlanta Falcons can put enough around Matt Ryan this season to take some of the pressure off Pitts and obviously just natural progression. By natural progression, Pitts becomes a better player in his second season. Um, and and I can I can at least replace majority of what Travis Kelsey was giving me at that position. But Travis Kelsey... All-time great 
fantasy player, dude. I mean, like that positional value, like essentially being able to put a top 10 wide receiver in your tight end spot, like that shit is unmatched. So uh, maybe I'll regret that. He is going into his age 33 season. So I felt like it was the, the last time I'd be able to get a trade like that for him. And I ended up, after I made the trade, after the trade, I ended up getting a total of like a first and two seconds for Kelsey, which I think is pretty good, um, especially at this stage of his career. But this is how you stay, you know, perpetually young, um, perpetual rebuilds, like trying to find the best time to sell like your veteran players, even if they still have a lot left in the tank. I mean, obviously, you don't want to do bad deals or deals that aren't mutually beneficial or, you know, leave other people holding the bag. So I try to do fair trades, but obviously, like I like doing trades to help my team. Um, I'm just this is what I love doing, watering my plants. It's relaxing. It's blessings. It's part of my success. It's a big part of my success Just water my garden But uh, yeah, it's draft season and trade season There's a lot going on um, In terms of communication in our league About trades, understanding You know, rookie values Understanding, you know, if I'm going to make a trade This time of year Am I doing myself a disservice by trading for picks? Should I be trading for picks? What can I get with these picks? How many picks do I need to get a good player? So, I'm going to transition Directly from the Ace of Spades news and notes, which was more brief than I anticipated. And I'm going to use this last 10 minutes or so to talk about this auction. So, as everyone knows, and this is the part of the podcast where you want to take off, you know, two times fast forward or 1.5 fast forward and pay attention. Because hopefully I don't have to explain this again. And hopefully this part of the podcast can start a dialogue in the chat about, you know, what's going on leading up to the rookie draft, how you can prepare for the rookie draft, and what you need to do to put yourself in the best position to be successful if you do have picks or if you decide to trade out of this draft for future years or trade some of your picks for players. Hopefully I can help you all a little bit with the values to help you understand what was going on. When I made my trade with Tyreek to send Dallas Goddard for his comp pick, you know, he asked, you know, how does the comp pick work? You know, and the compensatory picks are just like slotted, you know, first round draft picks in any other draft. Uh, Tyreek had the 106 um, auction rookie pick, which is the equivalent of a mid first, obviously. However, since there are so many compensatory picks in this draft, the value of those picks probably decreased by like I'm being... I mean, this is kind of erroneous at this point, but like 25 to 30 percent, I would say. So if you have the 106, it's probably closer to the 110, 111. And that's really just off the top of the dome. Like, I don't I didn't do a fucking mathematical equation to get to that, you know, uh, percentage of calculation. But um, at a high level, just understand that whatever pick you have is devalued a bit due to the amount of inflation there is in a draft with all of the extra picks. So generally speaking, in an ace of spades rookie auction, all picks included, there would be a total of $2,791 in the pot, okay? So if you if we added everyone's picks together, the total value for all 36 picks, because we have 12 teams in three rounds, the total value for all picks, one through 36, would equal 2800 give or take a few bucks, all right? In the 2022 draft, with the addition of all the orphan GMs and the compensatory picks, the pot goes from $2,791 to $3,890. 
So there is an infusion of over $1,000 in, you know, fucking monopoly money in the draft. So naturally, the value of the dollar goes down. It's just like if the U.S. just started printing more money, you know, the value of the dollar globally would would, would decrease. Um, it's no different from basic economics in the Ace of Spades auction. Now, what does that mean for player auction values? Obviously, like I just mentioned, it decreases pick value slightly by about, you know, a fourth. And it also makes consolidating picks, you know, far more important. So for the guys like V's and Burke and, you know, now myself and Buck, it makes it more important to have stockpiled picks because you have a lot more control of the high-end players, considering that more money in the pool is going to increase player prices. It's just like I said, it's just basic economics and inflation. So in a normal draft where I guess uh, didn't have compensatory picks and let's say the first player off the board or the the highest ranked player in the rookie draft, let's just say it's 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 let's say it's Brees Hall. In a regular draft, I would say two hundred and seventy dollars is is probably a lot for Brees Hall, considering that the um, number one pick, the number one overall pick value in the draft is three hundred bucks. So if you're spending around that on a prospect, I would say like that's 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 a lot that's a lot of money. If the first player overall in this draft goes for three hundred, like I would not be surprised at all, um, just because there's so much so many additional dollars in the draft. So that rundown again is the increased amount of money in the auction. It decreases pick value. It makes consolidating picks more important. And it increases player prices. Now, what does this mean for the managers, for y'all in the league? Um, if you have less than $100 in auction money, you probably want to get out of the draft. There's probably no point in you staying in the rookie draft. Um, even if you have less than $200, just understand you're unlikely to get a top 12 prospect. So you should consider your strategy. For instance, somebody like um, Ray, who I think has 150, 160, something like that. If Ray wants to put all of his auction dollars on one player, he's probably going to get a solid player. He's probably going to get a back-end round one rookie player. Um, So Ray has an option. He could either stay in the draft and get, you know, the 11th best or 12th best player um, on the board, or he could trade those picks, you know, to someone else and get a player that he feels is equally valued um, to the picks that he has. So you just need to consider your strategy and understand or kind of do the math. And and it's really all speculation now, because once we get in the draft, we have absolutely no idea like where these players are going to go. The great thing about the auction is, you know, you can find values late if, a lot of mid-range players are being nominated. People are spending a lot of their money. And then, you know, one of the high-end players gets nominated later. But all the money has been spent. So you end up getting, you know, a top 10 player for a lot cheaper than they would have gone had they been nominated at the beginning of the auction. So I'll touch on that a bit, too. Uh, the auction is essentially, there are seven of us with, with auction money. And the players come on the board via nomination and the nomination order goes in reverse standings order. Meaning when the auction starts, V's will be on board to 
to nominate the very first player. And if V's nominates, you know, let's say a wide receiver or some shit that's projected to go in the second round, he has to be strategic about how much he bids for that player, keeping in mind the high-end players like Malik Willis and Brees Hall haven't been nominated yet. So he doesn't want to spend a ton of his money on Jahan Dotson because he knows he has to keep a certain amount left for those high-end players. So there is a bunch of strategy involved in the actual auction. You can trade money within the auction live. You can nominate players that you really like and get them out of the way early. Or you can save your money and let everybody else nominate all these mid-tier players, have them bid on those guys, and try to push the price down for some of the elite prospects. Now, the cool part about it is is it goes in nomination order. Everybody nominates somebody differently, and you have to decide whether this is a player you want to bid on And maybe it's a player that you do want to bid on, but you don't know how much to bid because you don't know the values of the other players in the same tier. So you don't want to, you know, spend $150 on this player that just got nominated early. If somebody very close to this player is going to stick around to the very end of the draft and you can get them for, you know, half the price for 70, 80 bucks. It's a lot of strategy that goes um, on, especially in a rookie auction where fresh after the draft, there's a bunch of new shiny toys and everybody wants a piece of it. You know, people get excited about where these players land and, you know, the potential and upside of if one of these rookies hits. So the auction can get pretty crazy at times. So you've got to rethink your strategy, understand if you want to be a part of this auction um, and understand if you are, you know, what the realistic realistic expectations are for you to get, you know, the player you want. Um, so, yeah, if you have less than 100 bucks, just trade those dollars to somebody else who has more picks that's what i would recommend at least if you have about 200 or close to 200 i'd say you i'd say pretty confidently you could come away with a very solid player with that amount and obviously the guys with you know 500 or more are in pretty good shape to get a couple really elite players or really solid players or just tackle a bunch of depth um or go stars and scrubs like you get one really elite player and then you just you just cheap out on the rest of the guys and just have a certain amount allocated to bid on a bunch of mid-tier players to round out your team. So there's a lot that goes into the strategy. Hopefully I did a really good job at just a high level explanation of that. But if we have any questions in terms of values or, you know, the amount of, of auction dollars you have, or, you know, just overall strategy about the auction, put it in the chat and we could talk about it as a group. I think everybody in here is pretty new to the format and I think my biggest goal is to make sure that the league doesn't fuck it up so somebody like V's goes in here with you know $1,200 out of you know he has he has a fourth of the total budget Um, I'm sorry more than a fourth of the total budget and he leaves his trash ass team trash still so I want to help as many people as possible you know formulate the right idea about what to expect from the draft while understanding that um, there's going to be variance like players that I think are going to go for a high dollar won't just throughout the flow of the auction. So that's one thing that makes these auctions really fun, man. Like I think a couple years ago, um, I ended up leaving a rookie auction with, um, uh, a two, a, and it's not that impressive, uh, um, now, but end up leaving an auction with a, with a 50 something dollar tour, which is really cheap for a quarterback and super flex. So, Anything can happen. That's what makes the auction fun. Sometimes people get caught up in the moment and overbid and leave themselves with very little money, and good players are left at the end of the bidding. So auctions are really, really fun. Everybody has their own different unique strategy. Everybody values players differently, and that's what you know 
makes the auction interesting. So hopefully I, I explained that well. Um, just to give you guys like a dollar amount really quick before I wrap this shit up. About somebody asked me, you know, how much should the top players go for in the auction? Um, I'll put it to you like this. Let's say everybody in Ace of Spades put their money together, put all, you know, $3,890 together, right? Everybody put that $3,890 together, and we just bid evenly on the top 12 players. All right? If we just bid evenly across the board on the top 12 players, given the amount of money that we have in the 2022 auction, each player would go for $324. Each of the first round picks would go for $324 if we all just put our money together and bid on the first round. Obviously, that leaves, you know, 24 other players in the pool not bidded on. So what does that mean? That means if you are spending above $300 on a player, that is a premium fucking player and that is a lot of fucking money. Now, obviously, there's a big gap in between, you know, the super elite top of the first round players and the back of the first round players. So I would imagine, you know, when we're bidding on these top 12 players, they're going to go from anywhere between 162 bucks to 400 bucks. You know, there's going to be variance in that. Um, The number one player off the board should go for, you know, a, a certain percentage higher than the guy behind him and the guy behind him and the guy behind him. But that just gives you an idea of how much, you know, 300 bucks or more than 300 bucks is in this auction. But like I said, I would expect, you know, first rounders to go from anywhere between probably 125 bucks all the way up to 400. Um, And hopefully that puts the strategy into perspective. If we did it, you know, if, if, if all the money was in the same pot, we put all our money together and bid on the top 24 players, that would put us at $162 per player. If that puts things into better context. So there's going to be a lot of variance. Like I said, um, some players are going to go for steals. We're going to look back at the draft and think like, hey, how did this player only go for so-and-so dollars? It just happens in every auction. Like I said, that's what makes it fun and exciting. But if you got, you know, close to 150 bucks, I think you're in really good shape. Even if you have less than that, which I don't think anybody does, actually. I think everybody who still has money is over 100 bucks. But even if you have, you know, 100 bucks or less, you could, you're still going to get a player. You know, some player is going to slip through the cracks and people are going to forget to bid or people are going to you know, have different strategies. Like maybe Buck wants to come in and he says, I want to, I want to spend this 800 bucks I have, and I'm only going to leave with two players. That would be, that would be stupid, but he could do that. He could come in with his 800 bucks and say, I want to leave with, you know, uh, Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. And I'm going to spend $400 on both of these dudes. You know, that would completely change the landscape of the rest of the draft because now every other player becomes a fucking value. Um, and the people who have money left have a lot more, you know, um, um, options in terms of how they want to approach the draft strategically. So somebody's going to have a different strategy than you, and you're going to end up, you know, valuing a player lower or higher, or valuing your auction dollars more or less than somebody else. And there are going to be players that go at value. So hopefully that's a, a good explanation of the fucking auction. If y'all have questions, just fucking ask me. Um, last thing I'll address is the, just a simple question: Should I trade for twenty twenty two picks? And I guess my answer is sure. I mean, I don't like for me personally, I traded for the picks because there are a couple players that I really like in the draft. But also, like I said, I felt that they were at a discount because nobody was really valuing them. Like I know V's has sent Rio to first plus for McLaurin. I can't say that's a trade that Rio should have for sure accepted, but I definitely would have considered it. 
Um, just because, I mean, that's a lot. That's in, in Rio's defense, that's kind of what he sent for McLaurin because he sent a first and a third in 2023, which is probably the equivalent of those two firsts and a third in this draft or something very close. So based on what Rio paid up for McLaurin, I wouldn't say that's a smash except, but trades like that you kind of got to think of because two firsts plus in this draft is going to get you a good player. Terry McLaurin is already, you know, he's going into his age 27 season. He the QB situation hasn't been fixed. He's still just, you know, he's still just a wide receiver too. So uh, I, I just want to help people like understand the value of these picks, you know, just because there are a lot of compensatory picks in 22 doesn't mean these picks are useless and they're not as devalued as I think people believe they are. So just keep that in mind when you're doing your shopping, man. I, I, I see, I think this is the, this is probably the quietest offseason we've had so far in Ace of Spades. I think people are scared to do deals because they don't really understand like what's going on in terms of the auction and strategy and you know how to strategize around trades. So I've in my trades I've tried to do a really good job of explaining to people like, you know, what they're getting in return and what they could possibly get with, with these picks or, you know, how they can attack the draft based on what they have. So I want to use this podcast as, you know, um um there's a word that I'm looking for that escapes me right now, but I want to use this con- uh, this this podcast to open up the dialogue in the chat um, in terms of, you know, what questions anybody may have or, you know, um, how they should value picks or what players they have on their team. Not what players they have on their team that they should trade for picks, but, you know, how to match, how to marry up player values with auction dollar values. Because I think that that's going um, a bit over people's heads right now. Anyway, I'm rambling, man. <laughs> Drop the outro, holla at you boys later, and remember, it's up there, and it's still stuck there. Peace.